You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard. Welcome to another edition of the Five Star Zone. Big week in the Big Ten. So, you know what? With Oregon and Washington joining us, I thought that I would ask my friend Dave Softy Mahler to join us here on the show. He covers the Huskies. I met him when uh, Michigan State got destroyed by Washington last season, (laughs) but uh, we remained in touch. And I figure, what a better person to talk to because, Dave, after yesterday, I I have really have no idea what just happened because everything happened so quickly. From the Big Ten standpoint, the rich got richer. But from the Pac-12 standpoint, what the heck happened? You went from the Pac-12 to this morning. It's the Pac-4. Right. Well, first of all, uh, it's good to see you, man. Second of all, I want to just play something for you with UW joining the Big Ten. I think it's appropriate for you to get used to hearing this. Never gets old, man. So get used to that, Rico. You're going to hear that a lot in the next 50 years or so. But... Yeah, I mean, as far as the Pac-12, let's face it, they're done. It's over. I mean, uh, yesterday on the air literally felt like a funeral for the conference. And there's a couple reasons why. First of all, I'm a big Husky fan. My partner, Dick Fain, is a big Husky fan. My producer, Jackson Phelps, is a big Husky fan. But between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m., it's all Washington State Cougar fans on the air. All right? There's four of them on the air. So for them – it was absolutely a funeral. Wow. They were despondent on the show yesterday because you got four teams left, Cal Stanford, uh, Oregon State, and Washington State, and they got no idea what they're doing, Rico. I mean, they could join the Mountain West. They could go potentially independent, which is crazy, or they could drop down to Division One AA, which is FCS football. And if I'm a Cougar fan and somebody is actually suggesting to me like, you're a big Spartan guy. Imagine if somebody came to you and suggested that Michigan State's going to drop down to the FCS. I, I mean, you just quit, right? You just right. pack up your stuff and go. You'd no, say, no, you're right. Or oh, well, I would assume it's just an average Michigan fan who just always talks down upon them. There but I right. get what you're saying. That's the point. And then Michigan's going to another conference, and they've right. got the superiority complex. But you and I, for as much as we love our teams – We'd be done. He's like, you know what? I'm quitting. I'm going to go work at Burger King, man, or go on a hike or something for the next 15, 20 years. So they are absolutely crestfallen and heartbroken over what happened yesterday. And I don't blame them. But I also don't blame UW for doing what they did because, Rico, dude, uh, come on, man. There's people that are blaming Washington and Oregon for the death of the Pac-12, and that's nonsense. This thing was over the day USC and UCLA took off last June to join the Big Ten Conference. It was only a matter of time before the whole thing fell apart because uh, they were never going to replace those teams. They're talking about, you know, San Diego State, UNLV, SNU, Colorado State. It was never, ever going to be the same after the L.A. schools took off. So it was only a matter of time 
But it is stunning, dude, uh, Rico. I got to tell you, man, you think about like the Southwest Conference was around for 80 years. The Big Eight was around for 80 years. But they merged, right, and formed the Big 12. Right. Pac-12 is just going away. Right. right. Like there's there's no merger with the ACC or the SEC or the Mountain West or the American or the Colonial. None of that stuff. They're just splintering off. You got Arizona, Arizona State, Utah going to the Big 12, UW, Oregon, USC, UCLA to the um, Big 10, Colorado to the Big 12. Right. So it's like everyone just got together and just say, you know what? Time to go. Time to break up. We're going to pack our bags and all go our separate ways. So it is unprecedented. It is shocking to see what happened yesterday. Softy, I mean, for us, it was just like, you, you got to be kidding me. And we actually did something on our show on Friday where we played this like detective game of, of what killed the Pac-12. Yeah. And in the end, I kept deducing it down to, maybe it was back in 2007, when then commissioner Jim Delaney of the Big Ten came up with the Big Ten Network. And they said, you know what? Let's just go into the major markets. Let's make as much money as possible. Let's entice teams to come and join us. And it's worked because, yeah, you guys, I mean, with, with the Pac-12 breaking up, yeah. it was like, I wanted to say musical chairs, but the best analogy we said was it, it was like the Titanic and people were just jumping in lifeboats, mm -hmm. whether you had to put on a wig and a dress to get on that boat. And, and the final four teams just picked up instruments and start playing like, well, that's it. There's no yeah. hope for us. We're going yeah. down with the ship. A conference has been there for over 100 years. It, it's, it's funny because I hear people always talk about NIL and the portal is killing college sports. And I'm like, guys, NIL and portal had nothing to do with this. This is TV money. This is networks. Right. A conference just died in front of you, and now other conferences are coming not to pay respects, but it kind of, at least from the Big Ten perspective, it looks like they just kind of picked the carcass and took what was left. Yeah. I mean, is, is that a safe assumption? Yeah. I think you're I think you're dead on, 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 on all your points. I mean, look, we've used the Titanic analogy a ton in the last couple of weeks, man. But I would just say, first of all, USC and UCLA was the Titanic hit the iceberg. This thing was already sinking by the time UW and Oregon got to it. And frankly, I think it was already sinking – before George Klyovkov took over, right? I mean, the USC-UCLA thing was announced last June, but we know it was much further down the road than that. This was in the works for months and maybe even for years. So that's number one. I don't blame George Klyovkov for a lot of this. He does get some culpability, Rico, but to me it's Larry Scott and it's the conference presidents. And I don't know if there's any one like moment you can go back and look at, like you said, the Big Ten starting their own network, NIL, whatever, blah, 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 the portal. I don't know if there's any real one thing you can look at, but there is some symbolism in the fact that about a decade ago, if not longer than that, there was a thought that Texas and Oklahoma would join the Pac-10 before Colorado and Utah came on. There was even some rumors about Missouri back in the day. And the conference presidents and the commissioner, whether Tom Hansen, Larry Scott, whatever, always just kind of scoffed at that. You know, we don't need schools like that. We're an academic organization. Uh, we live in our ivory tower. And then there's some arrogance, and there was some arrogance. Hell, Chris Peterson was on the show with us yesterday, and even he talked about the arrogance that came from the Pac-10. Rick Neuheisel has mentioned the arrogance that has come from the Pac-10. They really thumbed their nose, Rico, at a lot of different things and a lot of different people. They thought they were above it all. They thought they were superior academically to a lot of conferences. 
COVID's an example, right? I mean, look at COVID. The SEC played football. The ACC played football. The Big Ten played football. Pac-12 had to be forced into playing football, and they only played four games. That's it. Ohio State went on to play, I think, in the Final Four that season, for crying out loud. So they just really kind of scoffed, man, at a lot of stuff, and they thought they were uh, high and mighty and very arrogant. They never really made it about football. The conference presidents, I don't think, had the passion that, for example, the presidents in your conference do. I think all of it eventually just caught up to them. It really did. I mean, and now, because I was going to ask you, does this go all the way back to Larry Scott? Was it just arrogance? Yeah. Yes. Because it's who is, it, it's not just one thing. It's not one event. But man, when when you see all of this happening, like, what's it going to be like in the final year of the Pac-12? Because here's oh. the thing: yeah, you guys may be the best conference in football with about four or five NFL quarterbacks throughout your conference absolutely knowing yeah you know what none of this means anything because we're all going our separate ways it's it's very uncomfortable i will will tell you that right now it it is very uncomfortable people have asked me what's it going to be like like you and the appropriate answer is i got no clue dude (laughs) i've never been in this position before nobody has ever been in this position before where a conference plays one final year and then everybody goes their their separate ways like you talked about um I don't know. It's going to be odd. The Apple Cup is going to be weird with Washington State in November. It could be the last Apple Cup ever played in November because they're talking about maybe playing the game as a non-conference game, but moving it to September in the non-conference schedule. Uh, You know, the games against the teams that are going to the Big 12 is going to be weird. We're coming to you guys in September, which is going to be a conference game starting next year. Right. The whole thing is crazy, dude. It is absolutely crazy. And you're exactly right. The irony is that for a conference that was so down for so long, talent-wise, this might be the best group of players that they've had in 10 to 15 years. Bo Nix in Oregon, Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, right. Cam Rising at Utah, DJ Ungalele transferred to Oregon State, the five-star kid from, from L.A. Michael Penix is a guy that finished in the top 10 of the Heisman Trophy, almost led the nation in passing yards a year ago, won 11 games. So Deion Sanders at Colorado, right? There's all these crazy different stories, and it's amazing that it's like you're going to get one last trip to the sack with your wife before you go to the divorce lawyer the next day. <laughs> yeah, one I mean, great way, to up. great way of putting it, though. That's one what it night, is. One more night with the misses, and then this is it, man. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have one final fling, and then we're calling the divorce lawyer tomorrow morning. We're getting the hell out of this relationship. So it's very, very odd. Um, but, look, it, it's going to make for an interesting year. It's going to make for a unique year. I think the Apple Cup is going to be nasty. The Apple Cup always is nasty. It's always about the rivalry and people are on edge and there's emotions, especially in our office where, again, we got like five or six Cougars that work with us in the office. So it gets kind of crazy a little bit. Uh, But this year is going to be like David versus Goliath and they're going to want to prove something. And I'm very curious to see how Washington State's players react to this. Like those guys went to Wazoo to play in the Pac-12 not to play in the Mountain West or to play in the FCS. So do they kind of maybe, if things start to fall apart on the field, kind of back off the gas a little bit? Stanford and Cal, do those players even give a damn about the 2023 season? So, dude, it's it's nuts. I've never seen anything like this, ever. Dave Softy Mahler joining me here on the Five Star Zone. You hit upon a bunch of things, man, that I I do want to touch upon. I guess – 
for what, like, is there excitement? I mean, after the shock is over that the conference is done, is there excitement that maybe, yeah. hey, we're going to the Big Ten, new challenges, new teams, yeah. new things to play? And, yeah, on the flip side, you know, Washington State and Oregon State and Cal and Stanford kind of feel like the kids who their parents forgot to pick them up after soccer. Yeah, yeah no doubt, man. Uh, for me, just to answer the question for me, I am – I'm super excited about this. I mean, yesterday, like my wife will tell you, I'm walking around the house pumping my fist, you know, smiling my ass off the entire day. I think it's great. I think it's phenomenal for UW football because, Rico, here's the deal, dude. The Pac-12 the last 10 years or so has been trashed by everybody. I mean, you guys know that, right? Like it's almost become a meme on Twitter across the country. The network stinks. The distribution stinks. The late kickoff times are terrible. Uh, you can't get anybody to play uh, in the non-conference. Oregon's president was complaining about that, but they can't get anyone to come to Eugene uh, in the month of September. Um, you know, every now and then somebody will show up, you know, like this year, but it, it's hard to get non-conference teams to come out here and play in the month of September. The referees were a joke. Uh, you know, they, 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 they play in the Final Four, uh, and they can't find a way to punch through. There's, there's all these reasons why the Pac-12 has been trashed. Terrible commissioner, terrible leadership, all that stuff. And so we've wanted, I think, to get out for a while or to have a massive change. I was hoping Clay Offcoff would have been the guy, but that obviously didn't happen. But I just think for me, you've had a seat at the kids' table. Now you got a seat at the big boy table, Right. Right. Um, and I love that. I think that iron sharpens iron. I love the fact that UW and Oregon and USC and UCLA are going to have access to the marketing machine of the Big Ten, the passion of the Midwest, the footprint of the entire country now from Seattle to Rutgers, for God's sakes, 3,000 miles away. Right. Between road trips. I mean, hell, we played Rutgers in a non-conference game like seven years ago in New Jersey. It was Byron Murphy's debut, picked off two passes that day, and the Huskies won. So now a game like that is going to be a conference game. And really the cool thing about it is for the first maybe couple of years, maybe even more than a couple of years, every Big Ten conference game is going to feel like a non-conference game because it will be happening for the first time. The first trip to, to Beaver Stadium, Happy Valley, right, going to Camp Randall, uh, to Wisconsin. <laughs> going to Indiana, yeah. right? You know, coming out there to Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State. They're all going to feel like non-conference games when they happen for the very first time. So I am freaking jacked. Rico. So I guess it's a good thing you're coming out to state this year so it'll yes. be old hat the next time they come you're out. Figure there. it out. Exactly. <laughs> figure out the nice pizza places, the restaurants, all that stuff. I'll find out where you live so I can crash at your pad. But I, again, I, I am super duper thrilled for this. But there are some Husky fans, at least on social media, that are not happy about it. And we can talk about that if you want, but you, you would think this would be like, you know, no, no, let's talk about that. Well, I just think for, there's a lot of Husky fans that are sad to see the PAC 12 go. They're tired of money running and dictating and the TV networks dictating college football. And that's obviously a complaint that people have across the country, but I just think the Huskies had no choice. I mean, you made the point. You're exactly right. This was the Titanic going down. If Washington decides to stay, Who's to say that Arizona, Utah, Arizona State all play along and they stick around too? So let's say you stay if you're Oregon, you stay if you're Washington, but then those other schools take off and then you're screwed in a five or six team conference. Even if everybody stays, it's not the same without the LA schools. It's just not going to be the same. So in the name of tradition, in the name of history, I think that stuff matters, but only to a certain point. It doesn't matter if your conference reputation is in the toilet. 
It doesn't matter if the revenue and the TV deal is pathetic compared to other conferences around the country. So, hey, I would have loved to have kept this thing together also. But once USC and UCLA took off, and once the TV money was obviously not going to be up to par, I don't think you had a freaking choice, dude, at all. Saucy, look, you brought up the TV money. It, when you hear the Big Ten schools probably are going to get close to eighty to a hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. you guys will only get, if I read correctly, thirty million, right. which sounds insulting. Right. But then a bigger insult comes in when your commissioner comes in. Hey, we struck a deal with Apple TV, and it's like, you mean we couldn't even get the CW network? We're, we're on streaming Apple TV of all right. the networks. And you still are going to make more money at a reduced rate in the Big Ten for the next seven years than you would being the top dog of the Pac-12. I got to think that was the last straw. Of course, that's exactly it. And and, I mean, look, if you if you think about this logically and rationally, which sometimes on places like Twitter is hard for folks to do. Good luck with that. Right. Thank you. Uh, I'm still trying. Um, that's exactly the conclusion that you would come to, that, hey, yes, you're taking a smaller share than a lot of other Big Ten teams. I don't know where Rutgers and Maryland and Nebraska are right now, but they're not making as much as other teams are. But it still is more than what you had with the Pac-12. That's the point. And then you're talking about selling season tickets, merchandise sales, more people in, you know, fired up for this whole thing. It's not just the TV revenue. It's everything else that comes along with being in the Big Ten. Like, for example, it's not a big number, but in one day yesterday, UW sold 130 season tickets yesterday. Okay? So, I mean, even if you say it's 1000 bucks a pop, that's 130000 bucks that came in yesterday to UW. And that's day one. So they start winning in the Big Ten. This starts to kind of, you know, pick up some steam. Right. It's absolutely the right call to do this from a financial perspective, from a relative perspective, uh, perception perspective, uh, dude, it's a no brainer. It's an absolute no freaking brainer. And then when the initial deal is up with the big 10, then you're going to be getting a much bigger piece of the pie when the new TV contract kicks in. Right. And I guess I'm just wondering what does that Cal and Stanford do? Because they're no offense to Oregon state and Washington state, but those two schools are pretty prestigious and they're just kind of standing there like, Wait, what just happened? Right. How come no one wants us? Were, were, did they were they just too smart for everybody? Yeah, I I just think that Cal and Stanford, the Bay Area, is not exactly a great college football market. At least with Washington State, you've got a lot of Cougar fans that live in Seattle, okay, and have the Seattle market. Oregon State, a lot of Beaver fans in Portland, and you got the Portland market. The Bay Area is not college football friendly. I mean, I don't know if you've been to a game at Cal or Stanford, but there's a reason why they call Stanford the library, because nobody shows up, (laughs) right? Um, Honestly, I mean, there's just not a lot of passion for it. California is the same way. It's it's a different cat down there in the Bay Area when it comes to college football. So I have no idea what's going to happen to Cal and Stanford. You could tell me they're going to go independent. I'd buy it. You could tell me they're going to drop football. I'd buy it. I, I honestly think that for schools like those four that you talked about, there's a real chance that they may have to drop some sports because of this. And that's freaking sad, right? The fact that, you know, some kid's not going to get to play, you know, baseball or golf or water polo or track, whatever stinks. So I I think there's a real kind of 
unknown avenue there for those four schools and have no idea what they're up to. I think they're hoping that eventually they get the invite to the Big Ten. And there was a thought that UW, Oregon, Cal, Stanford would potentially all come together with right. USC and UCLA. Maybe you try this four-team West Coast thing out for a while, see if you got to add a couple of extra teams. I personally think, Rico, I don't know about you, but I personally think in the end that FBS football or Division One, as you and I have known it for a long time, is going to be made up of two or three super conferences and maybe even just two with the Big Ten and the SEC or the Big Ten, the SEC, and the ACC. I think there's way too many teams in Division One college football. you got 120-plus teams, but half of them every year have no shot whatsoever at exactly. the national championship or making the Final Four. So why not get rid of them, give me a 65-60 team league, <laughs> and then let the other schools form another league that sits between FCS and FBS? I've said that before, and, and I don't know if you follow wrestling, but I'm like – Imagine if you just almost had like an intercontinental championship for right. the other team. So you now have something to shoot for knowing, well, you're never going to beat Georgia. You're never going to beat Alabama. But your team 66 through team 120, you got a shot at winning something. Right. But you're not in Division Two. I've often said that and people have like, no, that's not what college football is about. I'm like oh, right. it actually is because think about it. You win your bowl game and you're happy, you're satisfied in the offseason thinking how right. great your team is and you look forward to the next season. You lose your bowl game and now people are saying, well, we're not that great. Maybe we need to be better. So Yeah, no, for sure. Hey, don't know if you can see this or not, but I got my dog DJ here and he's got he's got his little toy behind the couch. So let me get this for him and he can leave <laughs> us alone. Hang on a second, DJ. DJ, say hi to Rico, buddy. DJ. Oh, there's DJ right there. Okay, man, there you go. All right. Anyway, yes, uh, you're you're exactly right. Um, and I think, again, there would be an initial transition for a lot of people that would be terrible, right? And it might take 10, 15 years. Like, I don't know, just give you a, let's say, I don't know if Indiana football would, you know, be maybe Rutgers. No, Indiana would fall in there too. Okay, so they would be used to waking up in the fall and at least having the dream of playing in a Rose Bowl, the dream of playing for a Final Four. Then you wake up and that's gone. Yeah. And that would stink totally, right? But I think eventually a new generation of fans comes in, they're used to it, they figure it out. Imagine if the NFL, I've, uh, I've used this before on the air, imagine if the NFL said, all right, we're going to expand to 65, 70 teams, and we're going to bring in the, the old like World League, Right, be a part of the NFL just so we can beat them up, right? I mean, there's no point. There's no point to that. They have no shot of competing whatsoever. Correct. So, Rico, I don't know how you figure out which teams would come, which teams would go, but this would allow way more teams to compete for a championship, whatever that would be. Um, But you also need those teams in the non-conference, or you get to a point where you say, okay, if you're UW, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, whatever, we're going to start playing teams twice a year, right? Instead of scheduling, like, UW's got Weber State and Eastern Washington right now on their non-conference schedule next year. Instead of playing teams like that, let's play Michigan State twice. Or let's play Washington State twice if they're a rival. You know, you guys play Michigan twice to end the year and to begin the year. Whatever, right? That, to me, would generate even more money, would create even more interest, would sell even more tickets. Because who the hell wants to see UW play Weber State, honestly? Who really gives a damn about a game like that? But I'll, but I'll watch my guys play the Cougars twice. I'll watch yeah. them play Oregon twice. So, look, 
if you. But here's the sad reality. I think schedules will start getting more and more watered down. I think the non-conference, it sounds good. Like, hey, we're going to play these teams. I think until you lose a game and then it's, well, why are we playing these games? Like you may play the Apple Cup, but then if Washington loses to Washington State too many times, it's like, yeah, yeah. you know what? Yeah, we're, we're going to go back to playing. Some we're not worried about that in the Apple Cup rivalry, man. We're not worried about losing the Wazoo in the Apple Cup rivalry. I mean, look, bo- bo- both schools have already come out and said they want to play it. I get your point, though, that it benefits Wazoo way more than it benefits you to yeah. But I just think, again, if everybody's doing the same thing, like right now the SEC is not doing the same thing. They got eight conference games, and they got dog meat on their schedule in November, okay? So if everybody can agree that we're going to do – everyone's going to play somebody twice. We're not going to schedule garbage in November. We're going to have a great non-conference schedule. I think if everybody's on the same page, it could work. But here's the thing, Softy. Until, until you get a commissioner – it's never yeah. going to happen because everybody's going to own The fact that like Notre Dame can just do whatever it wants to do and it's going to get invited to the party still amazes me. Right. They, right. People are like, well, are they going to join the Big Ten? I'm like, why would you join the Big Ten? You have your own network. You make your own money. Sure. And you have special rules designed just for you. Why would you give up all that freedom yeah. to join a conference? I often say, you know, it's hard enough ordering a, a three-topping pizza with three people, you know? Sure. Notre Dame doesn't have to worry about that. They can just go in there and say whatever it is that they want. But you're right. And I had a coach tell me it was at a a high school. I mean, it was at a football camp, high school camp. A Big Ten coach said that what bothered him, he was like, I coached in the SEC. I coached in the Big Ten. The SEC does everything to win a title. The Big Ten does everything about money. And he was like, that's what pisses me off about this because – we don't try to win in the Big Ten. We're all about making money. And like what happened yesterday was more about money. And you're right. right. If they come out with nine games between the conferences, it sounds great. You're going to get great matchups. But in the end, as you said, the SEC is going to play eight games. They're going to beat up on four other teams. I've often said, when you look at the SEC teams, take Alabama, take Auburn, take the top t- I mean, Alabama and, and Georgia off the thing. Everybody else has a false victory built in there. A seven and a, an eight and four team is really a seven and five team. Right. But they played a bad team, and they ended up going to a better bowl game because of which. I I, I tell people my audience all the time: if MSU didn't fly out to Washington and they didn't play UW, and instead they played Bowling Green, they would have won that game. They would have finished six and six. They would have went to a bowl game and sure. possibly finished with a winning record. Right. That's what happens when you play lesser teams. You get elevated wins. So, and I think until the SEC is forced to change that, yeah, that's not going to happen. But you know what? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. Well, you're right. Because, uh, up the SEC. Rico, here's the thing, um, and we've had this conversation before that the college football playoff is not run by the NCAA. Obviously, it's in no. partnership with the NCAA. So I've always thought that the college football playoff being privatized is step one to the entire sport being privatized. Yeah. I think the NCAA at some point is going to be out the door. They're going to be gone. Because right now, let's face it, they have no power whatsoever. They have, they have no influence over college football. They're just mm-hmm. a bunch of talking heads in suits sitting there with a thumbs up their butt doing nothing. They're I've often said nothing. they're the king or they're the queen or king of England where right. you do all of this stuff, but in the end, totally. you got nothing, no power. They're figureheads. They're absolute yep. figureheads. I mean – there's no enforcement whatsoever. NIL's out of control. You're not supposed to use it as a recruiting inducement, yet everybody does. Okay? It's ridiculous. So it, this is step one towards privatizing college football. 
But you're exactly right. And, you know, uh, Hugh Mellon, who's a former Husky quarterback, I think you met Hugh at the game, he, he made a point. He said, look, we can be either capitalists or we can be socialists when it comes to college football. I'm not a socialist in my daily life. I'm a capitalist in my daily life. But the NFL is a socialist organization, meaning everybody splits everything. Mm-hmm. 32 ways. He made the point about John Mara, the owner of the Giants, Wellington Mara, back in the day. They said, look, we're in New York. We know we can make more money than anybody else in the league. But for the league to survive, we need to spread the love. we got to spread the love for the league to survive. And we will make more money because the league makes more money. We can't do this by ourselves. We need the rest of the country to make this work. So, yeah, you can make more money. But I think college football needs to start thinking in almost like socialism terms. Yeah, that is a great that's a great point. As a matter of fact, it's so great, I'm probably going to steal it from you. It. I'll it's give you credit. But just, great just point. You're billing credit for that one. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because, again, it sounds ridiculous if you're thinking about it politically, but we're thinking about it from a business perspective, that if college football can start adapting a socialist mindset where everybody shares everything, then you can have a quasi-professional league of 50, 60 teams where everybody survives. There's a round-robin schedule. You play maybe a couple teams twice every single year. Fan interest goes up. TV ratings go up. Dude, it's a freaking no-brainer. But the question is, can you convince people to do it? No, I appreciate it. And I appreciate your time joining us here on the Five Star Zone. I will say this, something for you to look forward to. Yeah. A couple of venues – some venues, kind of like how you say Stanford was the, the library, there's some right. venues pretty easy. Okay. If you can, as if you do place Iowa at night, right? That you gotta you gotta be there for that. Okay. Probably I've often said the most intimidating stadium is the Penn State Whiteout at night. Right. Because you see a hundred and ten thousand people all wearing white with those pom-poms and they when they do the cheers in unison, I'm like, this is a little intimidating. That is, and then uh, you know the uh, Ohio State Buckeye Stadium is pretty good as well. Yeah, Michigan, they're not wow. gonna. It's it's not as loud as they. It's a hundred and ten thousand people. Right. But if you have a lead, it's the quietest hundred and ten thousand people you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> They, well, they, now when they're winning, they're loud. But when, right. if you take a lead on them, it's like quiet in there. I've been to Michigan Stadium twice, and we've lost both games. I've been to Ohio State twice. We've lost both games. Never been to Michigan State. Looking forward to coming out this September. What did you think of UW Husky Stadium when you were there last year? I loved it. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I like the, the whole experience that I literally had. I left the airport, hopped on the monorail. Dropped me right off at the stadium. Right. And then, I mean, I love the stadium. I love how it was built. I, You know, if it were me, I probably wouldn't have put those little suites in the corner and I would have left it open air so that the boats, you could see the boats and everything. Mm-hmm. But no, nah, that, that place, that, that was a nice place. I mean, aside from state losing, I enjoyed the experience. Yeah. Everything about it. I mean, you guys do it well. Your crowd is into it. Your students are into it. I was like, okay, I like that. These are people who actually get what college football is all about. Well, and that, look, Michigan State obviously was a big non-conference game. What we're hoping is that the Big Ten affiliation will just kind of raise everybody's passion, right? Because you're right, Beaver Stadium, the whiteout, looking forward to that. Camp Randall, jump around. We, yeah. we talked about that stuff. So, 
look, this is all new for us, dude. You know, I mean, just like if you guys were coming to the Pac-12, there'd be new stuff for you to experience as well. So I'm, I'm fired up for it, dude. Uh, I almost kind of feel like re-energized, dude. I'm, 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 I'm 50 years old. I've been doing this for 30 years. I think everybody kind of needs a change in their life when things get a little stale. And I think college football and the affiliation with the Pac-10, Pac-12 had gotten a little stale. And this yeah. is going to re-energize, I think, a lot of people, including me. No, it is. Dave, I appreciate you joining me on the show. Thanks so much. And I can't wait to see you uh, in, uh, what, two months? I'll be out there. I want you to come by the show on Friday night and hang out with us, man. All right. I'll be there, man. I'll see you there. See you, man. See you.